0: You can be seated. Thanks. Well, we're, we kind of launch into a new series today uh, on the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer, amazingly, or the disciples' prayer, is when the disciples came to Jesus because they noticed something about him. They noticed as they looked around at the world around them and they saw other folks following other teachers and leaders and religious groups and teaching that was happening all around them, somehow Jesus, Jesus had a uniqueness about who he was, how he was empowered to touch other people's lives, how he was able to draw strength when other people failed, how he was able to teach and speak in ways that people around the disciples had never heard before. What is it, they thought, what is it that possibly made Jesus so unique to their day? And when they boiled all that down, what they discovered was it was because Jesus had somehow unlocked, He had somehow unleashed the power of God through prayer. Jesus, if you remember, took time to get away from the crowds of people, even to move away from the disciples a bit. And He took time to get away and separate Himself out. Sometimes the disciples would find Him in the evening and he'd wandered off to get to a quiet, more solitary place where he could spend time alone with God. Sometimes Jesus would ask the disciples to come along with them, and they would kind of set up, and Jesus would begin to pray, and as the time wore on, they'd fall asleep. And then they'd get up in the morning time, and at times they would see Jesus sitting beside the seashore, still in conversation with his heavenly Father, because Jesus… Jesus knew the importance of staying connected with God the Father. Jesus knew that it was all essential to Him. When the disciples could see Jesus, and He would be at times maybe a bit disheartened or downcast, and then He would spend time with God in prayer, He would come back and He would be rejuvenated. He would be empowered. He would have the ability to touch people, to listen. To have compassion in places where no one else had compassion because he spent time connecting with God. That's what we want. If we're a follower of Jesus, we want those moments in our life to be real. We know how important it is for us to get connected to God, not to disconnect, but to have those times where when we're downcast or overwhelmed with life circumstances, God can speak hope and confidence and health into us. We know we need that. We know whatever we're battling in life, it takes time alone with God. It takes time to be connected to our eternal heavenly Father, doesn't it? And that's what we're talking about today. What is God really like? Why is it so important for us to connect to Him? What is God like? The disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, we understand what's going on. We don't get it all, but we know that when you connect to the Heavenly Father, you can do great things. You, are, you can overcome unbelievable circumstances. You're compassionate like nobody else. You teach with words nobody else teaches, and what we've, what we've seen is it's when you pray. So Jesus, teach us to pray. Most of us, no matter what our prayer life is like, would say it can always stand some improvement. It can always stand some time with God. And that's really what this series is that will take us up through Easter. It's really looking at Jesus unfolding and unpacking for those disciples and for us some of the important essential ingredients in terms of how we can deepen our relationship with God through prayer. Most of us would say, I want that. I need that. I need that power of God. I need that touch of God. I need that presence of God in my life. God, would you would you just speak into my life? Imagine if you're a person who loves golf. I like golf a lot. Imagine if you're a golf kind of person and you're out and you're buying golf magazines and you're going to the golf shop, and you're trying out all the latest golf equipment and the newest drivers and all of that, and you might get in there, and you might be practicing out at the driving range, your shots, and, and, and you get a phone call from, from Jordan Spieth. Well, maybe not this week, but maybe Rory McIlroy, and, and he says, why don't you fly out here? I'm going to fly you out here to Pebble Beach, and I'm going to give you some private lessons and work on you. I'm going to show you some insights in terms of how to be a great golfer. You'd be like, yeah, I'm in on that if you're a golf person. Or maybe you're a tennis person and Serena Williams says, let me work on your stroke with you. Let me help show you some insights about how to be a great tennis player. You'd go, I'm for that. I'm ready for that. Maybe in the financial world, Warren Buffett calls you up and says, I could give you some guidance in terms of how to handle your finances. In fact, I'd like even stake you to a little bit to get you started. You'd go, I'm on to that. I'm ready for that. If there's an area of life where you want some expert help, you would go to an expert to give you that help. When it comes to the spiritual world, the spiritual life with God, it's no different. The disciples recognized the difference that Jesus was making over any other person on the face of the earth. And they said to him, we need to learn how to pray because it is what is empowering you. And we need that. And that's what they did. And I love them for that. And that's where we're going today. You know, I've heard that nearly 90% of Americans say they pray. 60% say that they pray every day. 34% say that they pray before a meal. There was a Time Magazine article a while back that said 10% of atheists pray. Who are they praying to? (laughs) But we pray. We're in a nation that actually says we pray. I read that Willie Nelson said he prays all the time. He said if he wasn't praying, he would have killed himself by now. He says, I pray the Lord's Prayer. I pray it over and over and over. In fact, of all of the prayers that are prayed in America, probably the Lord's Prayer is prayed more than any other prayer. And yet for millions of people that even pray that prayer, they may have no understanding of really what the prayer is about. Sad. We don't want to be in that group. We want to understand what Jesus is teaching because we want Jesus to unlock those insights so that we can draw closer to a heavenly father, to God. Teach us to pray. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 5 and following, Jesus said, and when you pray, I want want you to pray this way. The disciples were determined to learn what Jesus had to say about prayer. There are many ways in which you can pray. Jesus said this about prayer. He said, when you pray, don't make it a big theatrical performance. Because in his day at that time, the religious leaders that would get out on the street corner and they would pray these loud, large, huge prayers just in the public square for everybody to hear. Jesus said, you don't need to do that. You don't need to have this big theatrical performance going on when you pray. In fact, Jesus said, it's better if you get one-on-one with God in your closet and pray. He also said this, Jesus said another thing is, you know, there are people who pray and they just pray these sort of mindless repetitions. They just pray the same words or whatever over and over and over and over. And Jesus said, your heavenly father already knows your needs. Doesn't mean we don't need to communicate to God, I don't mean that at all, but Jesus said that mindless repetition is not it either, it's God is personal. You need to get that. God is personal. We have a personal God. Aren't you glad we have a personal God? God. It's not a dynamic force out somewhere. God is personal. He actually cares about you. He actually cares about what you are going through. He actually knows what you need in your life. And He cares about every single person that He's made. God is personal. And Jesus is teaching the disciples, you need to get personal with God you need to get personal with God. So mindless repetition, theatrical performance, that's not it. That's not it at all. You have an ongoing conversation with a personal God that knows you and cares about who you are. Hey, so how many of you would say, you know, on kind of the conversation level, I'm like over here, I'm more of the I'm on the, when a conversation is, I'm kind of more on the quiet side of conversation. I kind of listen in, I'm kind of there. I'm more sort of the quiet side of conversations when I'm in conversation. How many would say that? I'm kind of more of the, that's okay, that's great, yeah, okay. If you're on the other side of the spectrum on the conversation style, you're more of the conversationalist, you're engaged in the conversation and you're verbal. How many people would say they're more like that? Okay, right, okay, good. Last, last service was really interesting. I did that with them in the last service and it was like a few people were over here and a few people were over there. I thought, oh, where are the rest of these people? Anyway, so, but, but kind of what I'm getting at here is if you're on the, the more of the kind of quiet side, when it comes to your prayer life, just a couple little things. If you're on the quiet side, it may mean that you need to move a little bit more directly into conversation with God. Maybe you do. But sometimes we can be over here on the quiet side and we have to develop that personal relationship of conversation with God. That's a good thing. Or perhaps it comes easier for you when you spend time with God to be quiet and to actually be a listening person. Those are great qualities, but you might need to lean into conversation with God. If you're over here in the conversation end, That's a wonderful thing from the standpoint of you're free to to converse with God. You're open about conversing with God. The downside of that might be that sometimes it's harder for you to listen, right? So there's the positive and the growth area in each of those things. So whatever it is for you, kind of think that through. When you spend time with God in conversation, are you listening as well as speaking? And how is that balance going for you? Just a little highlight right there. Jesus said when you pray... You pray like this, our Father. When Jesus made that statement, it was radical for that day. It was radical to say, our Father. You know, in the Old Testament, it only describes God as a Father about seven times. In this one chapter alone, in Matthew 6, Jesus uses Father ten times. Throughout the Gospels, over 70 times, Jesus refers to God as Father. And it's an intimate word, Father, isn't it? It's a word that is, um, it is the word for Abba, Daddy, Papa. It is the most intimate word of the relationship of God to his children. Abba, Papa, Father. Unique. Unique. God is not some kind of an angry traffic cop out to get you. God is not an uncaring creator that sets stuff into, into being and let it go. No. Our Father. If you're taking notes, you might just circle it. Our Father. Our Father. We're children to a heavenly Father. That was a radical idea to those of Jesus' day. Abba, Daddy. When my girls were really little and I'd come home from work, and I'd open up the door, they'd come running around the corner, and they wouldn't say things like this. They wouldn't come around the corner and say, oh, thou who dost supremely control our allowance, thou great procreator of life. No, they don't say that. They run around, they grab me by the legs, they hug me, and they go, it's daddy. And I love that. There's nothing that warms a father's heart more than that if they love their kids, and if their kids love them. But God, as I said, is personal with us. He's personal. I overheard a woman um, in a restaurant uh, some time ago, and she was on her cell phone, and she was letting her son have it over the cell phone. She was saying, your dad is, is furious with you, and uh, you better watch it because you don't know it, but when you don't expect it, he's going to do something uh, drastic to you. Wow, I thought, that poor kid, what kind of a father does he have? What kind of a mom does he have? And I know that for all, for, not for all of us have not had the greatest experiences with a dad. Some of us maybe didn't even really have a dad. He was vacant. Or our dad was not the kind of father that we really cared about. So when we begin to talk about God as a father, that can be seen in a very negative way. If you're a kid that grew up in a very difficult, challenging home with a a. a, a a very challenging father and you you come to Sunday school and the teacher says well god is like a father like your father you might be going i don't want any of that right no, i don't want that kind of a dad so i get that i get that but jesus qualifies this right here by calling god a heavenly father earthly fathers fail i'm a dad i fail i'm not perfect obviously have plenty of blemishes in my life. We're earthly fathers, but a heavenly father is perfect. Our heavenly father, our creator God is perfect. He is a heavenly father, a perfect God, a perfect father for us. And there's a great contrast there. Our role as dads on earth is to become like that God more and more, to be that toward our kids and our families. What kind of father is God? Well, let's look at some things this morning. I've got about uh, a few to just share with you. If you're following along in your notes, you can pull that out. You'll see that. The first is God is a caring father. He wants you to know that you're loved and that you're cared for. If you don't get anything else this morning, you need to get that. God cares about you. God cares for you. He is a loving, caring Father. Psalm 103.13 says this, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who honor him. God has compassion on you and on me. God has compassion on us because he cares for us. He knows us and cares for us. One time the disciples were out in a boat, if you remember that time, and the waves came up and the storm came up and Jesus was asleep in the boat. And the disciples woke him up, and they were afraid that they were going to get capsized and all die on the sea. And they woke him up, and they said, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you get it? Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? God cares. Of course Jesus cares. He cares about each and every area of our life. Don't you care, God? Maybe you felt like some area of your life is drowning. You're overwhelmed by it. You're about to get swamped over by something. Maybe your business is upside down. God, don't you care? Maybe you have a relationship that's gone south or isn't going very well, and you go, God, don't you care about this relationship that I'm in? I'm stressed out about my kids, or don't you care? I'm having a hard time on my job. Don't you care? And the answer is yes. Yes, yes from God. Yes, I care. I know, I get it, I care. I care a lot. You and I have a heavenly Father who cares about us. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 1 Peter 5, 7 is this. Cast all your anxiety on him because what? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. Does God care about your health? He does. Does he care about your home and your house payments? He does. Does he care about your grades at school? He does. The answer is always yes, God cares. Never a no, God cares. Matthew 6, 31 and 32 says, so don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we wear? Your heavenly Father knows you need these things. God knows what we need. And he cares about meeting those needs. Last night I was out to dinner and I was at a, at a restaurant and I was, as I looked around, there was a, a young dad and he was sitting by a, a table and he was holding his a son that was probably less than two years old. And this little boy was completely asleep on his dad, right burrowed into his chest with his head right here. It was this awesome picture. And uh, he's just holding on to this boy, and the the dad had this little smile on his face, and I'm sure mom was like in line getting food or whatever, and she would be back. When I was done with my dinner, I walked over to him, and I said, isn't that like one of the best feelings in life? And he said, yeah, because he's not moving. (laughs) Because when he's awake, he's everywhere. But it is. It's this incredible feeling, isn't it, as a parent when that kid falls asleep on you? Completely engulfed because they're at ease with who you are? I noticed a mom one time, and she was on one knee, and she was in front of her little daughter, and she was just looking her her daughter in the face, and she was just saying, you are such a great daughter. You're a great big sister. You're wonderful. I love you so much. You're doing a great job. I thought that little girl will never ever have to worry about whether her mom loves her. It's the same for you and I with God. You and I should never have to worry about the fact that our God cares about us and loves us. Shouldn't. If those thoughts start rolling through your mind and my mind, they're not the right thoughts because that's not God. Our God loves us. Our God loves you, cares about who you are. Here's the second one. God is a consistent Father. He's reliable. He can be counted on. He's not fickle. He's dependable. He's worthy to trust. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from the Father who does not change. You might underline that, who does not change, who does not change like shifting shadows. Some fathers are Unpredictable. Some moms are. Some fathers are unpretty. They're fickle. I've heard a lot of young people say, I don't know when I come home from school what father. When my dad gets home from work, I don't know what father I'm going to run into. Is he going to be silent? Is he going to be violent? What dad am I going to run into when I come home? There's a fear of that. there's There's a fear of a person who is inconsistent. Listen to this. Listen to this. Inconsistent fathers produce insecure kids. Inconsistent fathers produce insecure kids. And whether you're a dad or a mom, that's true. Being consistent, faithful, not fickle. God isn't grumpy. He's not grouchy. He didn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed any day. Every day is the same for God. Yours days and my days may shift and change. God does not change. He is faithful. And He is consistent in life. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, He remains faithful. For He cannot disown Himself. Isn't that incredible? God, if we're inconsistent, God's consistent. If we're If we lack faith, God is faithful. Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. That's what the Bible teaches us. God is unchanging. Everything else shifts and changes, but God is a rock for us. Nothing changes with Him. He is consistent. That's the good news. God is consistent in relationship to us. We may break our promises. God doesn't break His promises. God is always about keeping his promises and being consistent. Here's the third one He is a close father. Man, the Bible makes it very clear that God is nearby. God is close when we need him, he's available, he's accessible. That's God. The Apostle Paul says this in Acts 17, 27, when he talks about God being everywhere, he says, God did this so people would reach out for him and find him since he is not far from each of us. What a great word. God is right by you and I. He is close. Listen to these three encouraging statements about the proximity of God to us and who he is. Here's the first one. God is never too busy. He's never too busy. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. When you pray, you don't get a busy signal with God. You don't get transferred to somewhere else. You get God when you pray. He is near to every one of us, and He's never too busy for whatever need you have. He's never too busy. The second one He loves to meet my needs. He loves to meet our needs, Matthew 7, 11. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, Jesus said, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus said, if regular ordinary dads know how to take care of their kids and give them good stuff, how much more will God who made them care for them and take care of them and give good gifts to them? He's never too busy. He has unlimited resources. And here's the third one. He is sympathetic to my hurts. You say, I'm feeling low today. God knows that. God's sympathetic with that. He understands those feelings. I'm on top of the world today. God gets that. He's excited about that. Whatever's going on in your life, God gets it. He's close by and he's sympathetic to your hurts. In Psalm 34, 18, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Ever been brokenhearted? Crushed? Overwhelmed? And wondered, God, are you in it with me? Do you get it, God? If you've lived any length of time, we've all faced times when we felt crushed or broken-hearted or run over. God understands. He's sympathetic. He's close to the broken-hearted. He knows when we're downcast. He knows when we're crushed. He knows when we're broken in spirit. It's God who comes alongside of us to breathe life into those situations for us. Can we trust him to do that? We can because he cares about us. He's a caring father. He's a consistent father. He's a close father. And here's the fourth one. He's a capable father. He's capable. I want you to watch this video right now. Are amazing people. They started a foundation years and years ago. They've run in over 30 Boston marathons. They've been in Ironman's. All over the world, all kinds of races. They started a foundation to help people with handicaps and disabilities all across the world to get them to places where they could experience life in a different level. Incredible stuff. I think of that dad, Dick, just think of his the things that he's given up and the things he's put himself out to connect and be connected to his son, Rick. Rick is a smart guy. And all that they've gone through, it's just amazing to me to see what they've done and what they've accomplished and how much Dad, Dick, has done. You know, he's in his 70s now. And I think 2014 was the last Boston Marathon that they ran together, but he's still doing half marathons and other things with them with the foundation. Dick's a strong guy, but now he's in his 70s, and as great as Dick is, his body's wearing out. His body's showing limitations. God doesn't wear out. There are no limitations with our God. He is strong all the way through. He is a wonderful, caring Father. That's a a picture, what I imagine God must be like. But God doesn't wear out. God is a capable Father. Luke 1.37 says this, "...for nothing is impossible with God." Would you say that with me? For nothing is impossible with God. One more time, for nothing is impossible with God. Your prayer life is not impossible for God. The things you're going through in your life, not impossible for God. The twists and turns that may not come out the right direction that you think they should be, but nothing is impossible for God. Because God is capable and caring. Ephesians 2:10, 3:10 says 3:20 says this, God is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts and hopes. Think of it. God is a capable God in every situation. He cares. He's capable. He's consistent and he's close. Let's pray. Father, I'm so glad that this is who You are. We don't have to make up stuff about You. It's consistent with Your nature. It's what You've revealed to us in Your Word. It's what you revealed to us in Your Son, and it's what we live into when we place our faith into You. It's what we live into through the power of Your Spirit. God, I'm so glad that You're consistent and caring and capable and compassionate to us. Maybe you don't know that God. Maybe you feel feel like he's not been close to you when he's just this close right now. Maybe all you have to do is say, God, I need you. I need you to be close to me. Or God, I need your consistency in my life. I've lacked that in my connection to you. Or I need you to care for me, God, and I need it today because I'm overwhelmed by something in my life. God gets it. God gets it. Jesus, would you just be present with us right now? Meet needs in this room. Overwhelm our sense of insecurities. Bring power to us where we struggle and need strength. Bring blessing into our life where we feel forsaken. Bring compassion, God where we do feel overwhelmed. God, would you just remind us that you love us and care for us. Thank you for being that kind of a God that personally loves us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.